0: Welcome to the Social Ideas Podcast, brought to you by the Cambridge Centre for Social Innovation. This series looks through the lens of those striving for a better world. I'm Pam Mungrew, and in this episode, I speak to the chief executive of the UK's high street retailer, Timpson.
1: I don't really do titles, but my name is James Timpson, and I run our family business, which is called Timpson, which is lots of little shops training under the name of Timpson, Max Spielman, Snappy Snaps, Johnson's of Cleaners, Jeezy Belgravia, and a few other little bits. And we even have three pubs. We call them restaurants now because new government regulations on, you know, you you won't be able to have pubs, but you can have a restaurant. So so a friend of mine has got 120 pubs, but he now calls them 120 restaurants.
0: We discussed the company's upside down management style and why James was motivated to employ ex-offenders. I started by asking him to explain what it is that Timson offers its customers.
1: We're a service retail business, so it's different from being a normal shopkeeper because we don't really have stock, we don't really have product, we're selling a service. So in the Timson shops, we cut keys, um, repair watches, repair shoes, that kind of thing. In the photo businesses, we're developing photo prints, doing photo ID, portraits, and then in the dry cleaning business, doing dry cleaning and laundry. But essentially, our business is about employing colleagues we have colleagues not staff or employees we employ colleagues who have a great personality and we train them for the skills that they need to serve our customers well and we do it within a culture which is different from lots of businesses because it's a culture based on trust and kindness and it's not based on trying to make money but i believe if you do things really well and have motivated happy colleagues you end up making money at the end of the year so that's why our motivation is different. And when you go into our shops, hopefully you feel it's different, that the colleagues look you in the eye, they're sparky, they're fun, they're interesting, they're engaging, a bit quirky, and customers come back because they like my colleagues.
0: In terms of Timsons, what's the difference between a colleague and a member of staff? Well,
1: everyone's a colleague because no one's more important than anybody else. The word staff to us implies that someone is less important than someone else, but they're not. Um, the word staff in our business, when you go to the dentist and you hear the sound of the drill, that's to me, like when you hear the word staff, it just doesn't fit with our culture because we don't have a hierarchy like that.
0: And that's one of the issues in other businesses and other companies is the idea of having a hierarchy. So how do you maintain a happy colleague environment when you don't have hierarchy in perhaps a more traditional sense?
1: We worked really hard on it. There was a natural inclination of some people to want to instill a hierarchy and to tell people what to do. But we've, we've been going at this for 25 years. I mean, turning a culture around always takes a minimum of five years. But the way we do it is the focus of our leaders, basically our area managers and our head of departments, so you have to have a head of department and area managers, their job is to make sure that they're the best boss their colleagues have ever had and that they are happy. So yes, you know, we get our sales figures in every week and we get our profits in and all this sort of stuff. But the most important judge of a successful leader is the happy index, which we do every April, which is our colleague survey. Most businesses, most organizations, and I don't know whether you have one, Pam, which is, you know, hundreds of questions you get asked about, what do you think about this and that and the other? We just have one question. On a scale of one to 10, how happy are you with your leader? area manager, head of department, whatever role they have. And that is how they're judged. And if if a leader gets a bad mark, it's not good news. You don't have to be a pushover. You don't need to be giving things away all the time and rolling over to get good marks. You just have to be an amazing leader who knows your colleagues and treats their colleagues as an equal with respect and kindness. And that's how we do it
0: and do you find that the colleagues are forthcoming and honest in their appraising of, of their managers their leaders
1: mostly <laughs> i worry i worry when a colleague when a when a leader gets a low return rate that's one of our one of our alarm bells and it takes so if i was to promote you to one of our area managers you come up to the ranks i make you you know you to one of our area managers it'll probably take you 3 years to to find your feet to really get to know your people and to feel comfortable with the authority that you have to amaze people. Because a leader's job is to amaze their people so then they then perform. It is not to manage people and tell people what to do. And it just takes time.
0: Are you subjected to that same appraising?
1: Yeah, I, I, and I'm not the top performer. <laughs> um, we sort of, you know, I'm saying the top third. That's how we, that's how I do.
0: That's not bad.
1: It's OK. I could probably <laughs> do better. But it, I'm, I'm normally, I normally I, I normally lose marks for the consistent things, which is I, I'm not into the detail enough. And some some of my colleagues think I should be more into the detail. So I sort of set off with lots of enthusiasm to try and get the detail. And then I just sort of give up a bit.
0: One of the things that you brought to the company was the employment of ex-offenders. What motivated you to do that?
1: The reason why we recruit people from prison is because I've learned it's a really good way of finding amazing people. But it started by chance, really, because my mum was a foster carer for many years. And I was brought up with foster children. And a lot of those foster kids came to us because their mums had gone to prison. A lot of their dads had also been in prison. But what we used to do is we used to sit in my mum's car outside Style Prison, which is a women's prison in Manchester, while my mum would take the babies in to go and see mum and i always just found it really interesting and i didn't find it scary and then i started working the business and i started you know, running a few shops and, and taking on more responsibility some of my colleagues would get into a fight on a friday night and have to go and pick them up from the police station on a monday morning that sort of stuff so when i got invited into a local prison in warrington near where we live just to have a look around i jumped at the chance and the young lad showed me around matthew he was coming towards the end of his sentence and I really liked him. He was my kind of personality, you know, funny, interesting, sparky. Uh, so I offered him a job and said, when you're when you're out, give me a ring. Uh, and his mother phoned me up and I took him on. And then I thought, well, if he's good, I'm going to get a few more. because It was quite hard to recruit at the time. So every Friday afternoon, I went around the prisons in the northwest, just walking around the wings with the governors, looking for sparky prisoners to handle my business card and to see who wanted to work for me. And it sort of went on from there.
0: It wasn't something that you announced straight away, was it, that you were doing as a company? Why did it take you so long to kind of share that information with the public?
1: Well, because I was a bit nervous, if I'm honest. We had a business that we cut your keys and I'm going to go and employ armed robbers and burglars and people who've failed society. And I give them a job and you know, they, we need to build up the customer's trust. And I was basically worried that there'd be a big backlash. But fortunately, I think now, many years on, when we sort of learnt how to do it, more customers come to us because we employ people from prison than avoid us because we employ people from prison. We've now got to the stage where 10% of my colleagues are those with prison experience. So these are people who we first met in prison. They may have gone to one of our training academies in prison and they joined us and they get stuck in like anybody else and they're treated like anybody else. And, you know, if they work hard and do all the right things and they they get promoted and off we go.
0: In terms of employment, how do you then go about ensuring that somebody that you've employed who's come from prison, who's, you know, had had a challenging background and a challenging history? How do you ensure that they are firstly people that would fit with the ethos of your company? But secondly, uh, somebody that I can go to and say, "Here, please, can you cut my key?
1: Because we recruit on personality and I've learned how to do it and get it right I've made a number of mistakes but we don't recruit sex offenders we don't recruit people who haven't come to the end of their criminal journey and we don't recruit people who don't want a job so really I'm probably looking at a third of the people who leave prison and we are looking for the personality traits I'm looking for things I spoke about before you know happy interesting engaging sparky bright people and we just put them in the shops and train them up. So, my concern would have always been I think if I'd done it badly and I'd recruited the wrong people, I'd probably quite rightly have been penalized for that and been held out. I mean, I've had some pretty bad PR press stories. I mean, we don't, I don't even have a marketing department, don't do PR or advertising or anything. The worst one I had was Killer Cobbler Cuts Keys. I mean, that was a bit of a low moment that was, but we just sort of toughed it out and it's okay it's normal. The fact is, if you go to most shops, most multiple shops, you're being served by people who have a criminal record. 25% of men at the age of 18 in the UK have a criminal conviction more than a driving offence. But they've often had to lie on their application form. My colleagues haven't.
0: What is the philosophy then that drives the management of your company?
1: The philosophy is the values of trust and kindness. And when we talk about trust, we have a system called upside down management which is everybody who works in the business is trusted to do their job without asking anybody. Just follow our two golden rules, which is you put the money in the till and you look the part, which is you open up the shop on time. The shop looks smart and you're nice to people. The rest, you can do whatever you want. So you can run it as your own business. Lots of, lots of customers think our shops are franchised. They're not. It's because the colleagues are running it entrepreneurially through their own personality. And that's what we really encourage. And then, the kindness bit comes in where I see it as the company's job to do everything we can to amaze my colleagues. If I amaze my colleagues, they will amaze customers. So that's why we have lots of holiday homes. We have lots of benefits, amazing benefits we have for colleagues. And uh, that's really the philosophy and the way I do it.
0: What you're talking about sounds wonderfully positive, but you see, I'm a little bit of a cynic and I'm not entirely convinced there aren't any pitfalls to it there must be pitfalls there must be challenges that don't necessarily make this as easy as you're making it sound
1: so it is our, our business is not straightforward for people who don't get it so we have colleagues who join us or more likely join us through acquisitions that we that we may they don't get our culture they don't trust it they don't they they, they don't believe that the trust that we want them to have is there and it's generally because their personality is not the right personality for us um, and that's where you know we have colleagues leaving on a daily basis you know we have four and a half thousand colleagues and every week I get a, a sheet of colleagues who, who, who leave us for various reasons and you know generally it's because they are probably moving to something that they are more happy with or we haven't been able to fulfill their ambition. So, you know, we don't need to think that that our business is perfect. It's far from perfect. You know, we have, you know, I I spend my day fielding, you know, problems and complaints and all this sort of stuff. But I believe that that the way we run the business is right when you have a long-term view of running a business. If I wanted to make loads more money, not a problem. Short term, not a problem at all. Cut this, cut that, cut that, put the prices up, do this. I'll be a hero for a couple of years. But then I believe the wheels would come off because the culture would be damaged. I think the best way to bring value to a business in the long term is through having a really strong culture.
0: So then how do you judge your success or your need for improvement?
1: Well, on success, we don't do budgets. We don't have sort of profit targets we make what we make you know, we measure and we try and do the best we can and we you know we we try and buy things for as low a price as possible and get the lowest rents and all that sort of stuff that's been commercially successful but the way I measure our success is by going around the shops so I spend two three days a week I'm going out tomorrow morning down to Bournemouth going around shops and what I'm looking for is how amazing are my colleagues how amazing are the standards of the shop, and what's the buzz like. So at the moment, during COVID, our sales figures are terrible. Any other other time in my business life, I'd be looking at the sales figures going, my God, I must have done something seriously wrong, but the sales figures are so bad. But the way I sort of get through the, the day is when I go around the shops and I see colleagues who are running shops that are spotless and they're doing a really, really good job. And I know that's, we, we are doing the best that we can, and that's all I can ask.
0: From a business perspective, how have you managed through the coronavirus and the pandemic?
1: It's been very, very difficult. Some businesses have had a really good COVID period um, where you know, they're an online business or they're in certain sectors. I think most businesses have generally had a very difficult time. We have had two colleagues who sadly passed away through COVID and very, very difficult. We're a family business. Um, One of the colleagues I knew very, very well. We've worked together for 25 years. Um, We've had to make um, colleagues redundant, which we haven't done in years. It's been horrendous. Um, We've lost a huge amount of money, money that we were going to spend on investing in the business. Um, One small example I can give you is two weeks after lockdown, I had to go to the office. I I actually walked out of the office on the day of lockdown. thinking I may never return again. But I had to go back to the office because our training centre had just been finished by the builders. They just managed to finish it off and they were going to hand me the key. So i just spent three and a half million pounds building this beautiful training centre. It's amazing, uh, but we can't use it. So it has been very difficult. It has been quite exciting. It's not, It's been good to be tested. And my team, we've all been tested. Would I want to do this again? No. Do I think business leaders in their career have a period of trauma to go through. Most do. You know, if you work in property, it happens every 15 years. If you work in financial services, it happens every 15 years. Uh, retail, there's lots of, but the scale uh, of this has been um, just it's coming at you at every angle. Um, and you know, you've got to keep positive and do all you can, but there have been some pretty difficult days.
0: What motivates you to be this leader? I like meeting my
1: colleagues and I like knowing that they are really happy and they feel fulfilled and they really like working for the business. That is my motivation.
0: That was James Timpson, Chief Executive of Timpsons in the UK. You can find out more about the Cambridge Centre for Social Innovation by following us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn and YouTube.